Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning on this beautiful Colorado day. It's good to be back. Um, I want to thank uh, Chad Lachance for filling in for me last week. As always, he did an admirable job. Um, and I, Maybe it's not good to be back. Uh, I got back Monday. Karen and I got back from Florida on Monday where I've been doing some fishing on North Reddington Beach. You may have seen that post on my Facebook page. Got some sea trout. But, uh, boy, did we come back to some weird weather, snow and then warm and snow. And we're going to talk a lot during the show today about the conditions that you almost have to check daily on what you're doing. It's just changing so much. It's There's not a lot of stability in what you're uh, what you're going to plan to do, so you got to be flexible. There are opportunities, and we'll cover them, but uh, you're going to have to do a little thinking and planning to make it work. But we're going to talk a lot about that today, both from a fishing and hunting side. We've got some really interesting things, too. You know, Parks and Wildlife is going to join us and talk about some of their videos that they put up on their YouTube channel. And speaking of YouTube channels, I don't know how many of you have ever gone out and watched my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing, with Terry Wickstrom, you know, Karen and I and Greg Claudio did 22 seasons of television and uh, two shows. We did Mountain States Fishing for 12 years and then Angling Adventures for 10, or part of the end of that was The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. And about half those shows were filmed right here in your backyard. And there's about 130, 100 and, I think around 130 episodes on our YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. And even though some of those shows are legacy shows that were filmed a while ago, there's a lot of great information about what's going on right here, uh, whether it's ice fishing, open water fishing, a lake you want to explore, or maybe a destination you've been wanting to go to and you want to check it out uh, anywhere across North America. Uh, go take a look, and you can watch it right now. If you've got Comcast, just go uh, Terry Wicks, uh, Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom on YouTube into your control, and it'll come right up. But otherwise, just go to YouTube and find the channel. But right now, let's go to the phones. And joining us, he's a very frequent contributor. He's also a fill-in host at times and uh, knowledgeable in aspects of hunting and fishing. He's a guide. He worked for In Fisherman at Camp Fish, and that's Brad Peterson. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. You know, it's beautiful out today, but, boy, that hasn't been the case during the week, has it? No, you're right. You came back to some serious yo-yo weather. It's It's been absolutely crazy. January was super warm, and then the beginning of February, we had what we used to refer to as stock show weather, you know, cold and snowy, and the lakes don't know what to do. The birds have kind of been in flux, and I think it's making a lot of the outdoors participants in Colorado stir crazy. Oh, I think so. Let's cover a few things. Let's start. You mentioned birds. This is, I believe, this is the last weekend for goose season. Is that right? Yep. Regular goose season closes tomorrow um, along the front range, uh, the east, the central flyway. And then, you know, we've, we've got good number of birds. If you've got the opportunity to get out tomorrow, I would definitely do that. Most of the people I've been talking to have been having real good success. And then starting... On Monday, right afterwards, is a snow goose conservation season and that runs until the end of April. Yeah, and that's kind of a different season because 
the reason they have that season is that there's the snow geese came back so strong. There are actually too many of them for the habitat, and it's been detrimental to the habitat where they nest up in Canada. And so we're seeing they want to call those numbers. So there's, I believe, no limit. Is that right? I believe no limit, and you also can use electronic calls and shoot till a half hour after sunset, which is longer than your normal season. So it's a great opportunity to get out there and, you know, have some good hunting in the springtime, maybe a little bit before uh, turkey season starts up. But the one thing about Colorado is we've got kind of two areas. The birds stage down in that Eads-Lamar area, and so you'll get birds that come in there, and then up particularly around the Jumbo area, they they come in there, but when they come in, they, they're there for usually two to three weeks in really good numbers. So you kind of have to pay attention, do a little homework, but if you can get in there, man, it can be a whole lot of fun. Well, when, when, the, when you time it right, and that's one of the things about hunting the light geese or snow geese in Colorado that you brought up is that... Um, they come in and they stage and then they're gone in a matter of days or weeks. Uh, if you hit it right, the sky will almost get black with white geese. I mean, it's just unbelievable, the numbers. I know down at John Martin Reservoir, they talk about, you know, thousands of geese on the lake at one time. And if you hit it right, now, Colorado is a little sketchier. If you go a little further east to Nebraska, I think it's a little more consistent. Is that right? Yeah, it is. If you kind of hit that... Um... Oh, from North Platte through Grand Island area is real consistent. There are some impoundments in the rainwater basin that allow spring snow goose hunting. So you need to, you could take a look there uh, at the regs. And then there's also a lot of guides that provide opportunities. And if you've never done it before, I would say look at going out with a guide because a lot of times in these spring hunts, you're setting out spreads of, you know, a thousand to some of the guides will put out 8,000 decoys a day because these flocks are huge. I mean, you could easily be looking at flocks of well over a thousand birds. And like you were saying about John Martin, I mean, I've been up at Jumbo when it's had well over a hundred thousand snow geese on it. Yeah. It's if you time it right, it's phenomenal. But if you don't want to go out of state, Brad, and you just want to try to hit it now, you just need, what do you need for as far as license, the same licensing you would hunt regular geese with the stamp and the small game? I believe so, but you might want to double check on that. Um, I think it is, it is a small game license. You definitely need your hunter safety card uh, unless you're doing one of the new mentor uh, hunting programs. And you can look into that. That's something new that CPW has started the last few years, which allows you to get a new hunter out um, and maybe give it a try once uh, without having to get hunter education certificate for small game. And, um, you know, get out there, get your licensing, and then a lot of it is spend some time the day before you actually go out hunting. You probably need to be out there two days because you need to figure out which direction they're going, figure out a field that they're in or an area that they're flying over, and knock on some doors, talk to the landowners. A lot of times the landowners don't have their ground leased for snow goose hunting. So you're going to have a better chance at getting permission for snow geese probably than just about anything, any other type of hunting now, you would out in that area. Now, is there any kind of a resource 
because it is a little bit of a drive even out to eastern Colorado. Any kind of a resource that might help me time these geese, or is it just just got to keep making phone calls? You know, I would say one of your best resources, there's a couple. Um, Ducks Unlimited has a migration tracker, which you can look, and people will give reports that talk about when birds are coming. And then there's several Facebook groups, uh, Colorado Waterfowlers, and usually people will be posting pictures or commenting about, you know, seeing birds come in. So those are a couple good places to get, you know, that beginning information. And don't be afraid to try to contact the uh, the DWM or the game warden in those areas. They're going to be out there quite a bit and real familiar with when the birds are showing up and, and how many birds are there. All right. Let's change things up a little bit. If people, you know, want to get into waterfall hunting, if they could time that, Snow goose hunt, though, what a great way to get in because you'll get some shooting if you time it right. Let's move on. When I started the show, I mentioned I was fishing down in Florida. When I left, I was looking at— You're just rubbing that in, aren't you? You bet I am. I might go back if this doesn't change. (laughs) You want to do the show next week? I'll go to Florida. But, you know, um, but when I left, I had almost given up. My mindset was there's so much snow in the mountains— and slush that I don't know if I want to make that drive. There's not really good ice here on the front range except for a few little pockets. I'm going to start doing some shore fishing for open water. And now a lot of that open water has skim ice or it's even frozen. What are you seeing and hearing out there, Brad? (laughs) I'm hearing the same frustration as you. Two weeks ago, I took all of my ice fishing gear out of my truck thinking that it was done for. Luckily, I didn't put it away for the season. And then in the last week, all of a sudden, some places are starting to get fishable ice again. You know, Chatfield has held good ice most of the year. And by good ice, I'm talking five to six inches this year. Um, But I've talked to people that are out at Aurora, and some of the coves there have three to maybe four inches. And then surprisingly, you know, one of our favorite places to talk about is St. Vrain that has a lot of opportunities. That has hasn't even had five ice fishermen all year until this last week. And talking with the park ranger, he said yesterday there was three inches and and 10 people out there. So if you go do some looking, there may be some decent ice for the next, you know, five days, week, until we hit some really warm temperatures. But really pay attention. And if you're going to go out there looking, do it in the morning because by the afternoon, that ice might be getting a little soft. At least in the morning, it's as hard as it's going to be. You can go out and test it, you know, go out with someone, have the proper safety equipment, spud your way out to test the the strength of the ice and the thickness because that's one of the things with this ice is with the snow that happened, it may be three, four inches thick, but it may not be that strong because a lot of it is snow ice. So you really need to be testing it. And there's, there's some opportunities to get on fish. You know, people are catching walleyes at, at Chatfield, um, perch at, at Aurora, and trout and a bunch of the panfish there at St. Vrain. So there there is a little bit of time left if you still need to get out and, and kind of get your last ice fishing fix in before the season's over. Yeah, and we're going to talk more during the course of the show about other opportunities, but I want to stress what you said about safety. Right now, you know, in the beginning of the year, all the – government agencies put out these ice thickness charts and I usually paste one on my uh, post one on my Facebook page 
uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, and there's still one up there you can go back and look at. But you really almost got to throw that out the window this time of the year, like you said, because that's based on good, solid, clear ice. You're going to get so much honeycomb, snow ice. And right now, if you head up into the hills, you're going to get uh, a lot of snow and slush on the ice. It's very Even if there is a lot of good ice underneath, it's difficult to move around and even difficult to know if you are on good ice. Yeah, you know, one of the spots I that you can avoid that and get out up in the hills is the reason there's not a lot of snow on the ice is because the wind almost always is blowing up there is red feathers. You know, red feathers does have some good ice up there. The snow doesn't pile up as much on that body of water because of the, you know, you're rare to go two days in a row without wind up there. So it, it kind of keeps that snow pushed off of there. And there's still a lot of people catching some good numbers and some decent-sized trout in the lakes up there. Yeah. Do you, have you heard more Dowdy, West, which ones are doing best, or is it kind of mixed? Um, more Dowdy has been the one that uh, has been real consistent this year. Um, I do enjoy going to Parvin. Just remember that that is an artificial fly and lures only. So, the techniques are a little bit different. Um, I fish it aggressively with more spoon-type presentations. And we'll get a look, you know, some bigger fish out of there. So that's one, if if you get your fill of catching fish at Dowdy and you want to try for something bigger, Parvin may be the one to look at. Just be careful. There are a few islands out there, and the area right in there, there is some current. So, again, kind of pay attention, spud your way out, um, and just uh, always be looking out for the safety because springtime ice, that's that's usually the most dangerous and when more people, you know, go through than any other time. We're, we're going to also talk to uh, Staunton State, State Park, and if you're willing to walk in, it's, they've got some snow, but it's packed pretty good. If you're willing to walk in, there's two ponds. One's fairly close walk. I think it's a half mile. One's back a ways. Um, they're consistently catching a lot of fish through the ice there, and we're going to talk about them. They even rent, they even have lease. They call it rent, but they let you use ice fishing equipment. And uh, they were actually on the news last night for they had an ice fishing clinic out there, and they're they're catching a lot of trout. They were really heavily stocked. But what have you heard? How about the northern front range? Is there anything that you would say is fishable up there? You know, outside of St. Vrain, um, you know, Boyd was over 50% open just two days ago. So even if you go out and see that there's ice there, I'm going to tell you to be really careful. And me personally, I'm staying off the ice on that body of water. And so most of our lakes up there with the wind open back up and they haven't really frozen. The only one that might be one to check out would be Douglas. But that's because typically it freezes a little bit quicker being up closer to the foothills it doesn't get quite as warm there but other than that i think you're going to need to you know start keeping an eye out for the ponds that have aerators on them as the weather gets warm and the wind starts blowing you know those ponds can lose their ice pretty quick and and it may be time to get the long rods out for the people up on the northern front range all right brad we're out of time we got to run i'm going to let you go great information how do people get a hold of you if they want to talk to you uh, you can find me on Facebook at Brad Peterson Outdoors or give me a call at 303-829-3998.
All right, my friend, we will talk to you very soon. All right, thanks, Terry. All right, you're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We are waiting for Crystal Egley to call us to talk about a video she did on her first big game hunt. We'll go to that in just a minute. But if you were listening when I was talking to Brad, there it's just the, the conditions out there are just uh, they're changing daily. And the two things I want to stress to everybody going out there is if you're going to try some ice fishing, Make sure you're going out in safe conditions. You know, even though some of the mountain lakes have good ice where it's safe, there's so much slush, you can easily get a ATV or a snow machine buried and frozen in and almost impossible to get out. Uh, it can be just difficult to get around. So check the conditions where you're going and being ready, be ready. And certainly if you're going to ice fish here on the front range, be extremely cautious. Um, you know, we'll... It's going to get a little colder again this week. It's going to be warm for a couple days. A lot of these ice conditions are going to change rapidly. And don't be afraid to look for some open water. And we'll talk more about that later in the show in the upcoming weeks. But as the ice goes off these lakes on the Front Range, they haven't had a lot of open water pressure. There's going to be some great, great opportunities to um, get early fishing, especially for trout from shore and open water. That can be just phenomenal. Uh, Crystal, we're still waiting for her to call, but let me tell you a little bit about what she wanted to talk about. Crystal does video for Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and uh, she goes out and films a lot of the others doing this. Well, they they decided they wanted to film somebody doing their first big game hunt and make a series that could go up on Parks and Wildlife's YouTube channel that people could come in and kind of see what it would be like if they wanted to try big game hunting. Now, not only had Crystal never hunted before in her life, she had a fear of firearms. And she admitted that openly, which is good. You should have a respectful fear, not a fear uh, that's that's paralyzing, but one of respect because firearms are a powerful thing and you should respect and understand them. So the series they did, it's a 16-part series, and it hasn't all um, been up on YouTube yet. They post, I think they post every Monday, and they have so two or three more to post. And she decided she was going to go after white-tailed deer out in the eastern plains. So the crew was filming her, so she ended up on the other side of the camera. And it took her through, first of all, how do I get started? It had her talking to people at Parks and Wildlife, finding out what she needed, like hunter safety and what was involved in that how she would plan a hunt or decide what she's going to hunt and where to hunt. And they talked about that and how she talked to people. And then they talked about getting a mentor and setting yourself up with a mentor for your first hunt. And they went through that. And then uh, part of the series takes her out to a range where she learns to shoot a rifle. And, and it takes her through her experience and how, it, you know, how she dealt with that and how she came along and what it was like for her as a non-shooter and a non-hunter to learn that part of it. So it was very, uh, it was a lot of people that haven't hunted before will relate. And it, uh, it's a great video and they're going to finish it up here in a few weeks. And they also um, are doing a Facebook live. Uh, they do Facebook live and I got to look down at my notes here. Um, they're going to do the Facebook Live, I think, during the week, this coming week sometime. So if you go to Parks and Wildlife 
and just search My First Big Game Hunt. I'm sure the link to their YouTube channel and to this uh, My First, uh, the Facebook Live event will come up, and you'll be able to watch that. And each of these segments, there's going to be 16 total. I think 12 or 14 are up. Uh, they're 7 to 12 minutes, so they're not real long. And they're they're put together in an amusing and very watchable form, very relaxed. Uh, Crystal is very open about what she's feeling and what the experiences are. So if you're looking for your first big game hunt, you really want to get out there and experience it. Uh, this would be a great opportunity to look at this, or if you have a, a youngster that you want to get started in hunting, or if you're a hunter yourself but you just want to kind of experience what a new hunter goes through, be a great video to go watch. And what we're talking about, parks and wildlife, too, you know, we've got turkey hunting coming up. Um, we've got a lot of fishing coming up. We've got just a, a small game hunting still going on. We talked earlier, we've got the snow goose season starts here pretty soon. And uh, and we're just going to have to, uh, there's just a lot there. And there's a lot of resources on Parks and Wildlife's website. And uh, like a turkey hunting, there's a turkey hunting 101 or turkey calling 101, a video right on Parks and Wildlife that's free. So you can get all this information. And then you can go and look at maps and see the harvest numbers and see what's going on in all these different different areas of the uh, the state and our activities there's maps, there's uh, just a ton of information. You know, while we've got this changing weather, we talked about the fact that it's hard to plan things right now. This would be a great time to sit indoors and go through a bunch of those videos on the Parks and Wildlife site. And then while you're doing it, you can start making notes and plan your trips. And when the weather does finally stabilize, you'll have so much more information. It'll help you so much in hunt. And also, uh, go look at some of my videos, uh, like... Brad earlier talked about going up to uh, Red Feathers and Dowdy and ice fishing because they still have very good ice without as much snow on it up there. I have two, um, I believe, two ice fishing videos, at least one for sure, but I think two on our our site, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, that were filmed right at Dowdy and one that was filmed at Westlake. So you can go up there and you can see what the ice fishing is like there and the size of fish and the techniques we use to catch them. And I also give a pretty good class on using an electronics. Uh, I used a Lowrance unit uh, to see the fish, see my lure, and it's great training for that. I have another video that if you want to learn about electronics through the ice that I filmed up at North Michigan Reservoir that's on the YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. And that one, well, we just slayed the trout. It was just a blast. Well, we only filmed for about an hour and a half, and then the, the film crew fished. But we also did, uh, we recorded what was on the electronics, played it on a computer, and then took it back into the studio and went through it with you. So you not only see us fishing, but you got to see us uh, experimenting with the electronics and what you see. Tell you what, we'll take a time out. We're going to change things up. We're going to take you up to Staunton State Park, where there are so many activities, including ice fishing right now on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. The Eagles, you know they're going to be here in March, and I'm going to that. Did you know I like the Eagles? All right. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right back to the phones. And joining us from uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Andrea Dumas. Good morning, Andrea. Good morning. How are you? 
I'm doing great. It's a beautiful sunny day. You're not that far out of town. I'll bet it's gorgeous at the park today. Yeah, nice and sunny. It's usually only like 10 degrees cooler than Denver, so not too bad. No, and it's just a beautiful area. In fact, you know, it's, Staunton is one of the newer state parks. Why don't you tell people where the park is located and kind of describe it? Yeah, so we're about 45 minutes west of Denver on 285, and we're only about a mile off 285 in Pine. park's about 4,000 acres, and we have over 30 miles of trails, and we have 25 walk-in tent sites. We have horseback riding, uh, bike riding, hiking, and fishing opportunities. And I know you have some events coming up. We'll get to those in a minute, but let's talk about some of your normal amenities. Are they multi-use trails? Are they, you know, hikers, bikers, you know, mountain bikers? Well, who uses the trails there? Yes, we have some hike-only trails, and then we also have multi-use trails that uh, horses, bike riders, and hikers can go on. And we do allow e-bikes in the park, which are pretty popular, and then fat biking this time of year is really popular with all the snow. Well, in fact, don't you have a fat tire race coming up? Yep, it'll be uh, Sunday, February 23rd. It's hosted by Big Ring Cycles, and they have a race section for that, and then also a group ride for people who are newer to fat biking or don't want to do the competitive side. That fat biking has really kind of taken off, hasn't it? How Have you done that yet? I haven't. I haven't. I want to try it, but it looks really fun. Yeah, and the way those bikes get around in the snow is pretty amazing, actually, and on the ice. Yeah, and we do um, groom the trails this time of year as well. A 285 Nordic Club helps us groom the trails for fat bikers, and they really like that because it packs down the snow for oh. them. You bet. Now, you know, one of the things I want to mention before we get off the trails is you guys have a program out there that I actually wrote about in the Denver Post a couple of years ago uh, that I just think is so awesome because I know people that would need to take advantage of this. In fact, I have a, a young lady who went through a, a couple bouts of leukemia and she was uh, couldn't walk very well for a long time. Uh, she's doing much better, thankfully. But you have things called track chairs, and I'm sure, I don't know what times of the year you can rent them, but tell people about that program. Yes, um, starting May 1st, you can make reservations online, and we run trips up through the end of May through um, October and November, depending on the weather. And it's free to use. You just need a park pass. Um, people can come up and take out the track chair if they can't normally hike, and they can just go for a hike, or we can take go down to the ponds and go fishing as well. Um, and a volunteer will go with them, and then they just have to have a caregiver with them to uh, go out on the chair. Describe the chairs. Uh, so they're almost like um, kind of off-road wheelchairs, and they're motorized. And they have really big um, rings on the side that let them, they can go over rocks, they can go down curbs really smoothly. And our newer chairs um, work even better going over those rocks and stuff, and they're super smooth to ride around in. They're awesome. How far in advance would somebody need to make a reservation usually? Reservations do usually book up pretty quick. So starting May 1st, I would definitely look online if you're interested. Um, but for special events and things like that, we can adapt and help people out if they want to come up. And how far in advance can you make a reservation? Um, starting May 1st, it's for the whole season. So you can make it all the way through October. So you can't make one until May 1st, though? I mean, can you get on like in April to make a reservation for May 1st? I uh, know the system won't open up until May 1st, and that's when all those slots will be put online. So that's oh, the okay. Day to start I just wanted working. to be clear. But this is, uh, I, I got to commend you guys because I, I, to me, I am evangelistic about getting people outdoors and watching people overcome challenges to take part in their outdoor activities. And I think this track chair program to me is one of the greatest things Parks and Wildlife has done. It's just really tremendous. Another event you have coming up will run trails. You have a 24 hour running event coming up. When is that? Yeah, so it's called Running Up for Air. It's going to be Friday, March 6th to Saturday, March 7th. Uh, it's hosted by Suffer Better. 
And there's a 24-hour race and then a 12-hour, a 6-hour, and a 3-hour race, depending how long you want to run. But they're just going to run a loop in the park to our Staunton Rocks Overlook to raise money um, for air quality solutions and taking care of the natural resources, which is pretty cool. And I imagine those trails will be groomed, but they'll still have snow, I'll bet. Yep. Yeah, they're doing it purposely in March. They wanted the trails to be a little difficult for the runners, so some tough people who are going to be there. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one for me to come watch. <laughs> exactly. It's a spectator sport for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me too. Now, you mentioned you have uh, uh, camping. Uh, when Staunton first opened, it was day use, but now you have how many camping sites do you have? And Because you you have to park at Staunton and walk in, so they're all walk-in sites, right? Yep, we have 25 walk-in sites, and they're about 200 to 800 yards walk-ins. We have options depending how far you want to walk in. And no fires are allowed, but you can use uh, gas or propane stoves at your site and cook. And they're all very scenic. It's cool to be off the parking lot on the road a little bit. Now, are those open, available year-round? They are, yeah. We don't get many people in the winter, but they are open year-round, and you can make reservations online or by calling in. Um, but this time of year, there's plenty of sites to choose from. Now, we should mention the new reservation system. Even if there's lots of sites open, you have to have a reservation on the new system. But you can make it right there when you're looking at the site on your phone, right? Yep, yeah, you can walk up and pick out the site you want and then just call from there. We have some service on our upper parking lot, so usually people can get through to make that reservation from the park. Okay. Well, another thing I want to talk to you about that uh, we've talked about Staunton before as far as the fishing during the summer. We haven't talked much about the ice fishing, but... You have two bodies of water for fishing in the park. Is that right? Yeah, so we have Davis Ponds, which are technically two different ponds. There's an upper and a lower. And then we have Elk Falls Pond, which is a further hike in uh, that you can fish at as well. Now, how far are each of those two from the, where you park? Davis Ponds is about a mile walk-in. Uh, but when we have clinics, we do open up the gate so people can drive right in. And then Elk Falls Pond is about a four-mile hike, or you can bike to that one as well. Now, you just had an ice fishing clinic. You're having an ice fishing clinic? today or you just had one i think there's one today um and then we had one earlier february but those booked up pretty quick this year yeah, there was a wait list for those so how is the ice fishing in those ponds it's really good people have been having a lot of luck some of our regulars who come out often will catch 30 fish in a day when they're doing catch and release so it's a good place to go and now at the the davis ponds which is the two that's mostly rainbows with an occasional brookie is that right Yep, yeah, they stock rainbow trout there, and then sometimes you'll catch a brookie in there that have been hanging out. And then if you want to walk in, how far again was it? What was the name, and how far a walk was the other one? Uh, Elk Falls Pond, and it's about four miles. Okay. One uh, way. Four miles, so it's quite a walk. But is there yeah. a. Is yeah, there, you don't get too many people in the winter there. Is it a groomed trail, or would you have to snowshoe? or? Uh, most of it would be groomed. Uh, so you can take Staunton Ranch to Bugling Elk, or people bike as well, since they can drag a sled back with their bike. And that has brook trout in it. Yep. Yeah, people usually can catch their limit in brook trout back there. They have a lot of luck. Well, uh, there was another person that used to call from Staunton off and on, and he, I think he stayed in the cabin or something that was back by there on park, and he took a willow branch and he'd put fly line on it and catch those brook trout. <laughs> yep, that'd be Ranger Lou. He's still yeah, back there. Yeah, it is. He's a, <laughs> he's a great guy. So, so go through your events again and what, uh, what's going on. Yeah, so we have that flat bike event, which will be Sunday, February 23rd. You can register online. And our Facebook has all the details. And that Suffer Better Running Up for Air event will be Friday, March 6th to March 7th. And, again, our Facebook will have all that info. And also for the ice fishing, if clinics are full, um, we do offer free rentals for equipment, including oh. hand augers, poles, buckets, stuff like that. 
I'm glad you brought that up because I have it in my notes and I forgot to mention it. So if I'm a novice ice angler, I can just show up with my winter clothing and you can outfit me so that I can go out there and I, no charge. Do I have to reserve that equipment or is there a waiting list for it or how do you get that? It's just first come, first serve. And we have two augers and then about four buckets with poles and stuff. Um, so if we have like four groups of people come up, we just ask them to share the augers. But um, we can at least have two people fully outfitted to go out there. And if there's a ranger or volunteer around, we can help show you how to use all the gear before you head out. Well, and I think the fact that the lakes are so heavily stocked and that you're probably going to have some uh, some action, it's a great time for people learning to ice fish because you're going to have some success and it'll just be, and it's always more fun when you catch a couple fish. Exactly, and it's a pretty open area, so you get lots of sunlight. It's usually not too cold down in there, which is nice. <laughs> all right, Andrea, thank you so much. That's all great information. I hope people come up and take advantage of it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right, we'll talk to you again soon, I hope. That's uh, Andrea from Staunton Park. What a great place, and it's so close to Denver. We'll take a quick time out. And Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Doctor, my eyes have seen the You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going to go right to the phones. We're going to circle back because this, uh, this young lady got tied up in some things and wasn't able to join us earlier. So we're going to at least recap what I told you about earlier. And on the line with us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Crystal Egley. Good morning, Crystal. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. No, no problem. I kind of went through when you weren't able to get to the phone because you had other things, people, what was going on. But maybe we can recap it. Um, you did a video called My First Big Game Hunt. And I tried to explain what that was like to people, but why don't you give us a couple minutes of just what that experience was like for you, and then we'll kind of give them the timing of what's left to come up with it yet. Absolutely. So I spent a little bit over a year filming myself going on my first big game hunt, and I turned it into a 16-part video series. I broke down all the parts of hunting um, that a, not a true novice hunter might need to know, anything from how to take hunter education to finding a mentor um, and all the way up to after the hunt, how to cook the meal, um, even butcher the animal and all that stuff. And it's, Well, it's well mostly... if you were successful, and I'm not going to say whether you were or not, <laughs> but if you were, do I get invited for some meat? <laughs> um. Spoiler, I'll give you a little bit of a spoiler alert for your listeners, but uh, I was successful and it's all gone. <laughs> hey, <Sorry>. come on. <laughs> hey, um, one of the things I mentioned was the fact that uh, not only had you never hunted before, but you were kind of afraid of firearms. Oh, yes. Uh, that was one of the big things we wanted to make sure we covered is that there's a lot of barriers out there that people might have to hunting and they may not realize that hunting could be for them if they overcame whatever their barrier was. So we wanted to make sure to show what my barrier was, and that is an absolute dreaded fear of firearms. So there's a whole episode where I'm freaking out about um, learning how to use a firearm. Now, I want to dwell on that for a minute. I want to ask you, because anybody who listens to this show knows that I own firearms, and Karen and I, my wife and producer, both shoot. I, I had hunt, I've hunted for years, and we do recreational shooting. So, but one of the things I preach on this show 
is a healthy respect for firearms. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't want people to necessarily be afraid, but I don't want them Mm -hmm. to be casual or cautious either. How do you feel now after this experience about firearms? What's your what's your feeling? Will you do this again? And kind of share that with us. Yeah, excellent question. So at the beginning of this journey, I was certain, like absolutely certain that if I was around firearms, you know, that an accident was going to happen because of me, maybe a worst case scenario. You know, I have a young daughter. I was terrified of having a firearm near her. And so I have an extreme hypervigilance now. And one of the things my mentors taught me was that you know, instead of thinking one more accident might happen because of me, now that I have this hypervigilance and I use it, I mean, I am hypervigilant. One less accident is going to happen because of me, you know? And so I'm no longer afraid to tell people, you know, hey, muzzle control, you know, hey, can I just triple check to make sure um, your firearm is really unloaded? I didn't see you check. And people are really great about it. I thought they were going to make fun of me, but they are really, really great about it. Well, you know, and those are the kind of things. It's unfamiliarity and nervousness and not being confident is when people mishandle firearms and accidents exactly. happen. So are you going to hunt again, do you think? Uh, definitely. I, you know, again, just for your listeners, I'm going to tell you that after that, I, I actually shot this um, video series about a year ago. And this year I actually applied for an elk tag and went on an elk hunt and I brought along a new hunter with me. All right. That's just awesome. Well, you don't have to tell us the outcome of that, but why don't you tell us the timing of what's left on the series? Where do they find the series? What's left to come out? And then I believe you both have some YouTube and some Facebook things. Absolutely. So our new episodes air on Mondays and the episode where I actually go on the hunt is airing this upcoming Monday afternoon. And on YouTube, they go live at 3 p.m. And on our social media, Colorado Parks and Wildlife social media accounts, they go live a little bit after that, about 4.30 or 5. So then, so this is episode 10 that's going out. So there's going to be six more episodes that are brand new. But all the episodes are on CPW's YouTube page. Right. And when I went, I actually had a little bit of trouble just going to CPW's YouTube channel. So what I did was I, I Googled my first game, big game hunt on YouTube and it came right up. And then, and then also I think there's a link to it probably on the CPW page, right? There absolutely is. It's really easy if you go to YouTube and just search for that. And then I think you'll know which one it is. If you see a bunch of options, I think you'll see which one I, which one's the series. Well, and it's such a great resource for, you know, even if people don't want to hunt, to get exposed to somebody who's experiencing their first hunt, the emotions, what goes through that, how the decisions were made, what safety yeah. precautions were taken. I think those are all pretty important things for, for people to understand. And we've got to let you go. We're running out of time. But hunting is a major funding source for all of our management in Colorado. And even if you're just a wildlife watcher, uh, that management and of that habitat and those wildlife don't exist without hunting fees. So uh, it's it's really good for people to understand that. Yeah, that's why I put at the end of every episode the same clip that's me talking about um, how important hunters are to not just funding conservation, but actually controlling the wildlife populations and stuff. And it actually felt really good to be a part of that for the first time. All right. All right. Thank you, Crystal. We got to let you go, but I'm glad you got to 
get a hold of us so we could chat a little bit because you do a much better job of getting people excited about it than I do. So thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. That's Crystal from Parks and Wildlife. I, I went and peeked at a couple episodes. It's fun to watch. Uh, if you're a novice hunter especially, you'll really enjoy it. Uh, before we get to the top of the hour, there's a couple things I want to cover. And uh, I want to start up. Our Karen and I are going to be making a huge push on our social media, which is our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. We're going to start tying more and more of this show to the Facebook page. We do already. If if we have a special interview that's coming up, we'll post something on Facebook. If I'm going to be out of town and somebody you really want to listen to is going to be on, Karen puts that on Facebook. If I get out fishing, like if you were watching my Facebook page this last week, you saw me down in Florida, I know, rubbing it in in the warm weather, catching some sea trout. And if I get out around here, I'll post it right away. So if I was out on uh, Horsetooth Reservoir or Lawn Hagler or Cherry Creek, I'll immediately put that information on the Facebook page. And so you can get an immediate report on what's going on. So we do that. Uh, and then if there's something that I think was really timely or even uh, that we want to make sure people listen, you know, you can always get our podcast by going to 1043thefan.com and going to my page. And there's weeks and weeks of podcasts there. But sometimes there's an interview that I think is just timely or really special. And I will post that uh, usually Sunday or Monday on our Facebook page with a link and a little explanation so you can go listen to it in case you missed it. And then the other thing we're going to do with both our Facebook, and I want to bring our YouTube into it. You know, I've been talking about the YouTube today quite a bit um, because there's so much valuable information. Whether you want to fish right here in Colorado, about half of our episodes are right here in our backyard. And about half of them go everywhere from the Arctic Circle to the equator. So there's both tips, techniques, and places right here. And then destinations that you might be interested on our YouTube channel. So it's the Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. Right now, there's about 130 episodes up. We'll be adding more. But uh, I think I'm going to tie some trivia. We like to do trivia on our Facebook page. And we're lining up some gifts. Uh, And I think we'll probably be putting together a fishing package here pretty soon for our trivia. So you want to follow us on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors because the answer to those trivia questions are almost always posted the week before we ask the question on the Facebook page. Now, I'm going to try to throw in a different wrinkle. We'll still do some trivia where we just put out, uh, Karen puts on our Facebook page, what's called uh, 20 plus years of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors trivia. And she writes a tidbit of information on something that went on in the past, you know, 20 some years. This is the 23rd year, I believe, of the show. Gosh, I'm losing track. But so we have a lot of trivia to pick from. And we'll we'll ask a question and we'll ask it on the air and have you either call in or text in. We try to mix that up a little bit to give different people an opportunity to win. But if you follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook, you, you should know the answer to the trivia. But I'm going to throw another wrinkle in. I think we're going to do a trivia coming up. Where, well, we still have some where there's answers on the Facebook page. But I think we may do a, a link to a YouTube episode because we want to get people to YouTube. We want to really incorporate that in what we're doing on the show here. And you'll have to go to that YouTube episode to find the answer. I know it's a little work, but we're going to try to make whatever we do more than worth your while. We want it to be fun, exciting. want you to get some good information, but we also uh, 
we also want to make it a little fun for us and we can reminisce a little bit and all that. So all that's coming up. So you want to follow us on Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, so you can stay up to date on all that. And you want to start watching our YouTube channel. And I mentioned earlier, if you have Comcast, you can just go to your microphone on your unit and say, Terry Wick- Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom on YouTube. And like all 130 episodes will come up for you to pick from right on your TV set. So that's an easy, easy way to uh, to watch the YouTube channel. Uh, we're going to continue as well. We're going to take a break here in a minute. But what we want to do is we really want to get back to current conditions, what's going on, and how to spend your time coming up. You know, there's going to be days where it just is it going to be worth risking the elements or are you going to be able to get on the ice or the water when sometimes it's better to stay inside and get things ready. We're going to talk about some of that. We're also going to talk about some of the opportunities in the rivers as we get later into the hour. And then we're going to talk later in the hour with Ronnie Castelloni about traveling to fish like I do. What kind of gear do you get? How much does it cost to take fishing gear with you? Is it difficult to get on an airplane or get stuff that fits in your car? So we got a lot more to cover right here when we come back on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.